Here's the story. It's 605 B.C. And King Jehoiakim is king of Judah. And Judah is the, uh, the southern part of Israel with Jerusalem at its center as the capital. The king and the people have been very bad. They've forgotten God, worshipped idols, and no longer listened to his word. And Jeremiah is a prophet of God who, as you may know already, is in a lot of trouble uh, for preaching warnings against Israel and against the king. So he's been banned from speaking in the temple in Jerusalem. Baruch is Jeremiah's personal secretary. And God has words of warning for King Jehoiakim. And he gives these words to Jeremiah, who dictates them to Baruch, his secretary. And Baruch writes them down in a memo, a scroll. And remember, scrolls these days are large pieces of parchment that are knitted together, right? So instead of pages in a book, they're pages that are knitted together and then rolled up in a scroll. Now, on a day of fasting, and we don't know what day this is, it's not a Jewish feast day, we think it's some day of fasting because King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon and his army are marching towards Jerusalem to overtake it. So on this day, Baruch takes the memo to the temple and reads it in the church secretary's office. The church secretary's son hears it and runs over to the king's house king doesn't live in the temple. He lives in a nice palace in the walled city of Jerusalem a few blocks away. And uh, the church secretary barges into a meeting with a bunch of other executives sitting there. And he tells the king's secretary what he heard. So this is like office, corporate office intrigue here. It's secretaries and secretaries and officials. These executives send the king's secretary back to Jeremiah's secretary, Baruch, and tell him and come bring the actual memo and read the whole thing to them. So he does that. They hear it, and they tell Jeremiah's secretary that he and Jeremiah must go into hiding because they know when the king hears this scroll, he's going to want Jeremiah and Baruch's head on a platter. So, The king's secretary finally reads the scroll to the king. And as he reads through each page, Jehoiakim cuts them off with a knife, shreds them, and chucks the pages into his fireplace. Indeed, the king does order Jeremiah and his secretary to be arrested, but the Lord keeps them safely hidden. In the meantime... God dictates another letter to Jeremiah to give to the king. But this new letter has more words of warning for the king. And you can imagine what those additional words may have been. So now I'll read the actual text. Jeremiah chapter 36. In the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, the word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Take a scroll and write on it all the words that I have spoken to you against Israel and Judah and all the nations from the day I spoke to you, from the days of Josiah until today. 
It may be that the house of Judah will hear all the disaster that I intend to do to them, so that everyone may turn from his evil way, and that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. Then Jeremiah called Baruch, the son of Neriah, and Baruch wrote on a scroll at the dictation of Jeremiah all the words of the Lord that he had spoken to him. And Jeremiah ordered Baruch, saying, I am banned from going to the house of the Lord, so you are to go. And on a day of fasting in the hearing of all the people in the Lord's house, you shall read the words of the Lord from the scroll that you have written at my dictation. You shall read them also in the hearing of all the men of Judah who come out of their cities. It may be that their plea for mercy will come before the Lord, and that everyone will turn from his evil way. For great is the anger and wrath that the Lord has pronounced against this people. And Baruch, the son of Neriah, did all that Jeremiah the prophet ordered him about reading from the scroll the words of the Lord in the Lord's house. In the fifth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, in the ninth month, all the people in Jerusalem and all the people who came from the cities of Judah to Jerusalem proclaimed a fast before the Lord. Then in the hearing of all the people, Baruch read the words of Jeremiah from the scroll in the house of the Lord, in the chamber of Gemariah, the son of Shaphan, the secretary, which was in the upper court at the entry of the new gate of the Lord's house. When Micaiah, the son of Gemariah, son of Shaphan, heard all the words of the Lord from the scroll, he went down to the king's house into the secretary's chamber, and all the officials were sitting there. Elishama, the secretary, Deliah, the son of Shemaiah, Elnathan, the son of Achbor, Gemariah, the son of Shepham, Zedekiah, the son of Hananiah, and all the officials. And Micaiah told them all the words that he had heard when Baruch read the scroll in the hearing of the people. Then all the officials sent Yehudi, the son of Nethaniah, son of Shelemiah, son of Cushi, to say to Baruch, Take in your hand the scroll that you read in the hearing of the people, and come. So Baruch, the son of Neriah, took the scroll in his hand and came to them. And they said to him, Sit down and read it. So Baruch read it to them. When they heard all the words, they turned one to another in fear. And they said to Baruch, We must report all these words to the king. Then they asked Baruch, Tell us, please, how did you write all these words? Was it at his dictation? Baruch answered them, He, dicta he dictated all these words to me while I wrote them with ink on the scroll. Then the officials said to Baruch, Go and hide, you and Jeremiah, and let no one know where you are. So they went into the court to the king, having put the scroll in the chamber of Elishama, the secretary, and they reported all the words to the king. <laughs> then the king sent Yehudi to get the scroll, and he took it from the chamber of Elishama, the secretary, and Yehudi read it to the king and all the officials who stood beside the king. It was the ninth month, and the king was sitting in the winter house, 
and there was a fire burning in the fire pot before him. As Yehudi read three or four columns, the king would cut them off with a knife and throw them into the fire in the fire pot until the entire scroll was consumed in the fire that was set in the fire pot. Yet neither the king nor any of his servants who heard all these words was afraid, nor did they tear their garments. Even when Elnathan and Deliah and Gemariah urged the king not to burn the scroll, he would not listen to them. And the king commanded Jer- <coughs> Jeremiel, the king's son, and Sariah, the son of Azrael, and Shelemiah, the son of Abdeel, to seize Baruch, the secretary, and Jeremiah, the prophet. But the Lord hid them. Now after the king had burned the scroll with the words that Baruch wrote at Jeremiah's dictation, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Take another scroll and write on it all the former words that were in the first scroll when Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, has burned. And concerning Jehoiakim, king of Judah, you shall say, thus says the Lord, you have burned the scroll, saying, why have you written it? that the king of Babylon will certainly come and destroy this land and will cut off from it man and beast. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning Jehoiakim, king of Judah, he shall have none to sit on the throne of David, and his dead body shall be cast out to the heat by day and the frost by night. And I will punish him and his offspring and his servants for their iniquity. I will bring upon them and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem and upon the people of Judah all the disaster that I have pronounced against them, but they would not hear. Then Jeremiah took another scroll and gave it to Baruch the scribe, the son of Neriah, who wrote on it at the dictation of Jeremiah all the words of the scroll that Jehoiakim, king of Judah, had burned in the fire. And many similar words were added to them. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us. God's grace, peace, and mercy be upon you on this uh, festival of the Reformation through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let me wait until this comes down and gets ready. Order of Matins doesn't let me have a hymn right here where we can bring this down. All right. At any rate, do you know any famous paper shredders? How about G. Gordon Liddy, who shredded documents relating to the Watergate scandal? He's a pretty famous paper shredder. Then you got Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North, who shredded papers connected with the Iran-Contra affair. And then there's Enron, who isn't a person, but a corporation who shredded lots of paper, showing they were cooking the books. We all know something about paper shredders, don't we? 
On this Reformation Day, we're going to look at the most appalling of paper shredders, King Jehoiakim of Judah. He may not be the first known paper shredder in history, but he's perhaps the worst offender because, well, he's not shredding sensitive financial or government documents. No, he's shredding the Word of God. Not only that, he's shredding the Word of God on paper while the ink is still wet from the scribe. And on top of all this, he's shredding a message which was written directly for his ears first. Jehoiakim was the original intended hearer of this message from God, and he shreds it before tossing it into the fireplace. You and I shred bank statements and credit card bills and old church directories into the shredder all the time. And people who are up to nefarious business shred sensitive documents which might incriminate them or their bosses. But who in their right mind would shred the Word of God? Especially the Word from God through Jeremiah. You know, along with a lot of warning to the king concerning Judah's lack of love and obedience to God, there was a lot of hope written in that scroll from Jeremiah, such as this. The Lord says, I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will live in safety. Also, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to give you peace and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And I have loved you with an everlasting love. I will forgive the iniquity and I will remember their sins no more. What got into Jehoiakim that he would shred the word of God? Didn't he believe it? Didn't want to hear it? Didn't believe the author? The words didn't fit into his plan as king? You know, probably all of those and more. But behind the king's contempt for the Lord's message was the ultimate paper shredder, the old evil foe, Satan, right? He doesn't delight in God's word at all. He hates the human race, hates you and your family and your friends, and seeks to devour us. And here are some modern-day results of this. <clears throat> A recent George Barna survey of people who profess to be Christian found that over half surveyed didn't know who preached the Sermon on the Mount. A little over half didn't know that the book of Jonah is in the Bible. Two-thirds believed the popular phrase, God helps those who help themselves. They believe that that's, that is somewhere in the Bible. Is it? <laughs> it's not. It's an ancient Greek proverb, which goes, the gods help those who help themselves. You know, perhaps too many people uh, believed it when they heard Gene Hackman say it in his downright awful sermon in the 1972 disaster classic, The Poseidon Adventure. 
God wants winners, not losers. Terrible. <laughs> of course, that was the purpose of the story. He's a renegade preacher, right? The devil is at work all the time shredding God's word. He shreds God's word when people disregard it, muddle it with aimless self-help philosophy, hold it in contempt, and flat out don't believe what it says. It's also so he can shred our lives to pieces and throw us in the fire with him. Even if we're not like old King Jehoiakim, though, and we do believe, we do take God at his word, the foe still tries to shred us every day with lies such as, take another drink, you can quit anytime. Go meet your squeeze at that hotel, your spouse will never know. Why go to church? You'll never measure up to God anyway, with everything you've done and all. The thing is, though, without God's word to push back against these lies, the devil is more free to chew people up. Apparently, King Jehoiakim missed that warning, and the nations of Judah and Israel would pay for it later. They'd pay for it when King Nebuchadnezzar's army from Babylon sacked Jerusalem, emptied the city, and took its inhabitants on a 600-mile journey of suffering and death to Babylon. And Martin Luther knew all this too when he wrote A Mighty Fortress, which we will sing at the end of our service today. You know that line? The old evil foe now means deadly woe. It's true. It's true. You and I will never measure up to God's standards for human beings. That is, on our own. The Apostle Paul says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But that's not all God has to say about that. For all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. He was given over to death for our sins and raised back to life for our justification. We, being made to measure up to God's perfect standards, and because we have been made right with God through faith given to us by Him, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. So sin boldly, would say Luther, right? Not to mean do worse things and enjoy it because you'll be forgiven more. Now he means be confident in the forgiveness of your most egregious sins against the God who made you, loves you, and forgives you. Enter another paper shredder. The medieval Catholic church, circa 1517, and these two guys, who kind of look the same, don't they? But they're different people. On the left, you got Archbishop Albert of Brandenburg, who set out to silence Martin Luther. You see, Albert was selling certificates, promising salvation to people so he could pay off his own debts to Pope Leo in Rome. And Luther had already posted his opposition to this practice on the castle door at Wittenberg. And this did not sit well with Albert. Two years later, a debate was held in Leipzig, 
And the guy on the right, John Eck, defended the church's position that people are saved in large part by the good works that they do. Luther would not budge. He maintained salvation was, was by God's grace alone. The gift of faith for Jesus' sake and not by our works. After the debate, Pope Leo cut Luther off from the church, and his certificate of excommunication started with these words from Psalm 80, Arise, O Lord, a wild boar has invaded your vineyard. Now, the wild boar being Luther, of course. What was the Pope and the archbishops all upset about? Well, they wanted God's Word under their control, not Luther's, and especially not the people in the pews. This system of money-making the church had developed over the past two centuries was too important to let go. After all, cathedrals had to be built across Europe, and armies had to be raised up to fight the Turks coming up from the south. Lots and lots of cash was needed. All the while, God's Word is being shredded with lies of indulgences, salvation through works, and various other medieval superstitions which had crept into the lives of Christians. And all came to a boil in 1521 when Eck demanded that Luther take back everything he'd said against the Pope, the Church, the selling of indulgences, and everything else the Church didn't like. Luther asked for more time to think about it. Eck snapped back, You've had plenty of time. Nevertheless, he was given one more night to think on it. And the next morning, Luther said, My conscience is bound to the Word of God. I cannot and will not recant. Luther was absolutely terrified about what was going on. He didn't want to be the problem child of the Catholic Church. He wasn't out to bring it down. Luther loved the church because he loved God. But Luther could no longer take the shredding of God's Word. His conviction came from the central teaching that God's Word in Jesus Christ was for sinners Christ crucified means every one of God's promises in Jeremiah and all the other prophets is now yours. Christ is your righteousness. Jesus' plans are to give you hope and a future. He loves you with an everlasting love. And because of Christ crucified, God forgives your iniquity and mine and remembers our sin no more. That's because a Roman governor named Pontius Pilate gave Jesus over to professional shredders, guards who ripped up and shredded the flesh of God-made man. They shredded him in preparation for the utterly vile death by crucifixion. Let's go back to Jeremiah. Then Jeremiah took another scroll and gave it to Baruch, who wrote on it at the dictation of Jeremiah all the words of the scroll that Jehoiakim, king of Judah, had shredded and burned in the fire. And many similar words were added to them. 
God says to Jehoiakim, mess with my word, and the next time I'll add more to it. God resurrected Jeremiah's scroll and then some. This resurrected scroll was a prelude for another resurrection and then some. Christ, the Word made flesh, rose again from the grave. Alive with the life of Jesus and the breath of the Holy Spirit, God's Word is the living voice of good news that you and I are forgiven, saved, made right with God. God's Word announces that weakness is power, loss is gain, and servanthood is greatness. And wherever God's Word is spoken, preached, and taught, it's victorious over every satanic force that seeks to devour. 500 years ago, my friends, Luther took his stand, and so do we, here today and every day. So to all paper shredders out there, we boldly confess, the word of the Lord endures forever. Amen.